welcome back to Do Ladies Do That. I'm Molly. And I'm Becca, and we're just two lesbians who want to take our conversations about LGBTQ plus media out of the DMs and into a podcast. This week we're discussing the miseducation of Cameron Post, the 2018 movie. So the film is directed by Desiree Akhavan, a bisexual woman who was very passionate about amplifying the queer experience in her work. For example, in the series she created Caught the Bisexual, which is a great series if you want to check it out. I think I've watched about four of the episodes out of the six, so I need to, I think I want to rewatch that. Have you watched it? No. No, it's good. It's good. I'll check it out. So in an interview, Desiree Akhavan said that the only mainstream queer female stories have been directed by men. It disgusts me. And I can't fault her in the slightest in terms of what she said there because... When I first discovered that she was the director of the film, it already gave me that glimmer of hope that this wouldn't be, like, you know, for the male gaze, but instead a story which runs deeper into the lives of queer characters. So just a quick summary. The Miseducation of Cameron Post won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance Film Festival for its portrayal of Cameron, a teenage lesbian in the 1990s. I think it's 1993, to be exact. And the character is played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who gets caught engaging in sexual acts with the prom queen in the back of a car ends up getting sent to a conversion camp called God's Promise by her aunt, who is a born-again Christian and also her guardian as a result of the death of both of her parents. Whilst at conversion camp, she befriends Adam and Jane as they have the same mindset as her and don't wish to change their sexuality or who they are as a person and want to embrace it instead, so they just go along with what really goes on. And, um, yeah... We just get to see their journey. So the film is an adaptation of the book under the same title by Emily M. Danforth. The book starts with Cameron's parents passing away and the movie mostly starts at God's Promise. So there's the little montage and flashbacks in the movie of Coley Taylor, who is the prom queen that Becca mentioned earlier. And Mm -hmm. there was a gif that was really popular that most people who have seen the film, I assume, will have seen of she's in like Adidas trackies. Yeah, I know which one you mean. <laughs> and that's the first that I'd ever heard of the the Miseducation of Cameron Post, the book, the film, whatever, was seeing this gif all over the internet. The book starts in summer 1989, whereas the film mm-hmm. starts in 1993. So you miss a good part of the backstory with the film adaption. Obviously Mm -hmm. they have to shorten it because you can't have the hours and hours that you would have to read a book in the two hour slot of a film. But the book discusses Cameron's feelings about her parents' death and what happened to them because the night before she'd kissed a girl and so she sort of blames herself and has this guilt about her parents' death thinking that it's her fault that they died because she's done... because Mm -hmm. she's kissed a girl, basically. The film doesn't have this aspect, which is understandable because the guilt that she feels in her head to do with how she's feeling and it's internalised in which you can't really portray in a visual media. Yeah, like if you were to not have read the book, you know, because I I think I I remember that bit being said because I've read half half the book. It doesn't, it doesn't show that at all, like in the film. No, there's more focus on I guess how other people see her and how her religion sees her. Yeah. And how she's made people feel rather than the guilt of her parents. Yeah, so in the film, like, she doesn't really say much about sexuality or when people make remarks or anything, whereas from what you've just said there about the death of her parents and how that's scarred her in the book, 
you'd expect to see it well I would personally expect to see a lot more mental challenge like a, a, a bit more of a challenge in the film yeah I think they really got across the friendships in the film yeah definitely they did a really good job of getting that across and the whole not wanting to change anyway even mm-hmm. though everybody else is telling you to change and be straight and reborn or whatever you want to call it yeah there's a youtuber called gabby arno and she talks about how the film kept the same essence of the book even though a lot of the information was removed which i think summarizes it perfectly you still feel like you're in the same world if you were to read the book you still get the same feeling that you would if you were to watch the film. So it's an almost perfect adaption, regardless of the fact that they've removed this huge piece of the book. I do think that they could have added a bit more in, because the film itself is only an hour and a half. Yeah. So I think it was a choice not to, and I completely understand why they did that, because I feel like going so deep into something so quick, I don't know if it would have had the same vibe. Yeah, and I do think... It was to do with the visual elements. Obviously, when you're reading a book, you can read somebody's thoughts Mm -hmm. and they're not sharing them. You know in full depth what these thoughts are because you're reading it and it's not being shared. Whereas with a look, you're not going to get that. That makes a lot of sense. The end of the book and the end of the film differ in that at the end of the book, Cameron swims the lake that her parents died in to come to terms with it and live without guilt. And it's almost like a sort of cleansing, Mm -hmm. in my opinion anyway. She like, goes and swims with the candle and at the end she blows out the candle and it's like okay that's the end now like she can come to terms with it this is the final it's it's just the grieving process yeah and like the end of the book finalizes that chapter she's away from god's promise with the two people that she's met there who have been amazing jane and adam whereas the film ends with them running away and they burn their iceberg which is again ridding them of guilt so it did have the same feel the same Mm -hmm. essence as i was saying this being rid of your guilt or cleansing or moving forward or closing Mm -hmm. closing a chapter or whatever so it worked really really well and i did really really like that it had the same things without being entirely the same in the book i think there's two separate things going on in terms of one is about sexuality and the other is a grief journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that was best to just stay in the book. Yeah. Because the focus might have been a bit confused if they adapted that to the film. Obviously, they incorporated the grief and, you know, a parent's death into the film, but they didn't make her coming out journey on her identity about that. Yeah. Which I think that was quite important because I feel like if there's too much going on in a film, sometimes you just lose focus on what the actual... what it's actually trying to convey. Definitely. So, I can, yeah, I can understand why they went about that yeah. that way. And the end of the book does come back to the icebergs as well and um, the last line, which... I always feel like if a book has a good last line, it makes the whole book so much better. Yeah. So the last line is, and there was a whole world beyond the shoreline, beyond the forest, beyond the knuckle mountains, beyond, beyond, not beneath the surface at all, but beyond and waiting. And I think that again brings it back to the iceberg and how everything was underneath and pushed down and she had to work her way to figure out like 
my sexuality is on the top. Obviously, it's a really traumatic event to be going through conversion therapy and being told all this stuff. But her sexuality was on the top and it was impacting everybody. But there was so much more beneath the surface. And Mm -hmm. she's going on about how this is there's so much more beyond this grief and there's so much more beyond this and there's so much more that I don't know yet and there's so much more to explore and understand and burning the icebergs and then that final line there when she's swimming and realises this or she just got out of the water and she has this realisation it still keeps that same emotion, the same feeling you know? Yeah So sort of following on from how we're talking about like the grief journey that camera goes on in the book one of the only mention, well, one of the mentions in the film about her parents' death is when the she like the head, the leader of God's promise, Lydia. Mm-hmm. She, I really don't like the woman, but she <laughs> guilts Cameron by asking if she thinks that her dead parents will be proud of her of her same sex attraction. There's something about that was just, I mean, I think it's it's just the most disrespectful thing anyone can do. Mm-hmm. Like personally, I've got a dead parent, and when people say bring me dad up and be like, what would he think? What would he say? And it's like, especially when it's in like a negative connotation, not like oh he'd be proud of you. When it's like in a negative way, it's like really unnecessary and really gets to me. And watching that, I was just like, I want to punch that woman in the face. <laughs> yeah, I think the casting for her was perfect though. Do you know when somebody just has such a straight lace oh, yeah. persona? Like, the way they present themselves is just so... It's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. It was so perfect. She gave up quite conservative energy as well. Yeah. I did enjoy the character, even though I didn't like her. But sometimes I love when I don't like character. I think one of the most laughable scenes for me... I mean, I don't know if it is laughable, but... <laughs> When um, Lydia tries to pin Cameron's same-sex attraction on the name Cameron, as it's like it's considered like a predominantly male name, Lydia tries to blame her like sexuality on on that, and it's like there's there's probably so many people who have been told things like that. Even it's it sounds insane though. Like she didn't have a choice in her name. Oh, she's mad. Do you know what? when they're doing the discussion and they're talking about their icebergs and all the reasonings and things that still goes on today I have been asked so many times like why and I'm like because I am Mm -hmm. and they're like oh but was it this was it this is it because of this and I'm like no like it's not because of anything but all the reasons that were given are reasons that are thrown about today yeah still it's mad. I think they don't even realise they do it, though, a lot of the time. Yeah. Obviously, there's some intentional, for example, conversion therapy, you know, trying to find a root in a negative way. But I've had people ask me out of curiosity, like, oh, like, did you have a bad experience with a boy? Yeah. No. I don't think they mean any harm, but it's just, like, they don't realise what they're saying and how it comes across. The significance of what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't ask straight people, oh, did you have a bad experience with a girl or did you have a bad experience with a boy? Like, you don't ask straight people that question, so why ask us? The most annoying question, this is totally, it's not off topic, but it doesn't have anything to do with the film. Mm -hmm. The most annoying question that I have ever been asked was like, but how do you know? If you've never been with a guy, how do you know? And I'm like, how do you know that you're not 
into whoever you're not into. Yeah. If you've never tried it, you know? (laughs) I think it just stems from the fact that homosexuality or bisexuality isn't the the norm in society. Like, it's not the default. Yeah. (laughs) So they think, oh, what was different to you? What what happened to you that didn't happen to me sort of thing? It's, It's one of the things where I don't blame the person for saying it unless... They say it in a bad way. Oh, I do. I'm like, stop, just shop. <laughs> I blame like society and the fact that a lot of people are just uneducated on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do find it hard to blame the person in a lot of them situations because how can you blame the person when? Because they should educate themselves more, Baker. <laughs> yeah, true. There's a much deeper. You've got to find the root of it. I'm talking about roots, like you've got to find the root of where that comes from. You have to find the iceberg of homophobia. <laughs> yeah, you have to find the iceberg of where this miseducation like comes. From. Otherwise, I think you get you direct your anger at the wrong people when you should be directing the anger at why they don't know any better. But you can't be angry at the entire world. No, but. I think it's more about being angry about, like, it's, I don't know, it's like, it comes into class and everything, like, do you know what I mean? I get you. I get you. Yeah. My favourite scene was when they're in the kitchen and they're cooking or cleaning or something and they're all singing What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Mm-hmm. I first heard that song when I was, like, 13 and, like, am I gay? Am I not? And then while I was doing notes for this, I found out that Linda Perry who's the lead singer and the rest of the women in Four Non Blondes are all gay and the song's actually a queer anthem oh my god I didn't know that so I came across it at like the perfect time of 13 years old when I was figuring out everything but I always had some sort of connection to it whenever I hear it it's like this sort of rebellion so then when it played and they're singing it in this scene Mm -hmm. I had that connection to it there's just something so freeing about it and the way that the lyrics can be like sang softly or screamed or however you want to perform it in the space of your bedroom or in that case this kitchen. I don't know if it's just because it had such a personal touch to me that that scene was so important to me. Mm-hmm. But that whole friendship at God's Promise with Adam, Jane and Cameron, I loved even throughout the book. I did prefer the book to the film, even though I found the book dragged a lot. It took a long time to get through mm-hmm. but the whole friendship I think was portrayed in such a way that it was I felt like they were my friends or I could be friends with them as well Yeah, and the closeness that they had even though it was shared through this trauma that they were going through I just that scene was was the best I know that a lot of people wanted Jane and Cameron to be together and I can see why people wanted that because it makes sense yeah because of the friendship it's the same way with um happiest season when they wanted christian stewart's character to get with aubrey plaza's character um like that close friendship and they're both being gay so they should get together but i loved that they were they were just this friend group yeah i think it really did show successful queer platonic relationships yeah. And we don't see enough of that because it's always a will they, won't they. And I do think a lot of that does come from, like, the viewers as well. I think, in general, if you look at the queer community, it's so small that everybody sort of, in your area, say, it's small, so everybody sort of knows each other, so you've got limited 
yeah choices of who to date in comparison to straight people or whatever so yeah a lot of us do date each other and date the same people and have that sort of connection in some way because there's only so many people around you know yeah I also don't know if I've spoken about this in another podcast but I I always have that fear of becoming friends with other queer people in, like nowadays in case they think it's something more when it's not because there's a stereotype that queer people can't just be friends I don't have a fear I just have this thought in the back of my mind that I'm like maybe tone your compliments down a wee bit when you're complimenting queer people in case they take it as something more or stuff but I think that's Mm -hmm. just a general sort of anxiety as a whole like if you were to I'm sure if a guy was to compliment a girl he'd be like oh should I do that or should I not I don't know I think we just need to like normalize (laughs) friendships (laughs) because I don't know I think in today's society a lot of people just there's this pressure that everyone's gonna hook up with everyone and I think it's gone from one extreme to the other where you know Back in the day, people got married really young and didn't were not able to hook up with people like openly because there's a lot of stigma around it. You were meant to like wait for marriage and everything like that. And nowadays, it's more like so much freedom, which I love. I love that there's so much freedom, but it can lead to a lot of confusion at where you're meant to be at. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I personally get like worried that when I'm trying to make friends it's gonna come across as something that it's not because of just today's culture yeah so I really did like how they just allowed queer people to just be friends yeah because a lot of films have them hook up or have ha- have hooked up in the in the past you know like the L words everyone's hooked up the, the chart and everything yeah but yeah I was watching Drunk Lesbians Watch I don't know if you've ever watched them on YouTube no I cried when the series ended. It was, like, one of my favourite things to watch. And one of them, I can't remember the name, I think one's Brittany and... Oh, I don't know the other person's name. But they were saying, oh, they're going to end up together, like, from the very beginning. Even though I say that I want them to just be friends or I want people to just be friends, I find myself doing the same thing. I'm, like, rooting for them because it's, like, oh, representation. But then it's, like, mmm. I drew a lot of similarities from this to... Jamie Babbitt's but I'm a cheerleader. I, I was going to say that. I think it's the whole conversion therapy and obviously but I'm a cheerleader's satire and it's humorous and funny and this is a more serious take on it. But you had the relationship with... Um, she gets woken up during a dream and then Erin kisses her. Yeah. Um, and you had the same sort of scene in but I'm a cheerleader and obviously then our relationship progressed with... Natasha Leone's character and Claire Duval's character in Barma Cheerleader, whereas here it doesn't progress anywhere because one of them, well, Erin really wants to get better and then, of course, Jane is just a friendship. Mm-hmm. But I did like that it was that there was this divide. Like, obviously, it's the same sort of situation. Um, one's humorous and one's more serious. I think also the whole trying to find the root of... The homosexuality is something that's in both of them because Megan, in, but I'm a cheerleader. When she's ex- she's told the root of her homosexuality is 
I can't remember what it is, not gonna lie. She hit, she's really like panicky and stressed about it. Whereas when Cameron's told it's like her name, she just like laughs in Lydia's face like, okay. This, there's such a difference in energy. Obviously, mm-hmm. Megan's character is, you know, completely different to Cameron, but yeah. I also liked, if we go back to the, the iceberg and what made you gay, everything in the film mm-hmm. conflicts what made you gay and in society as well because it's like you're not close enough with your father. You're too close with your father. You had confused gender roles. You had strict gender roles. It was your jealousy of this person and not this longing to be with this person it was whatever it was too much physical attention not enough physical attention everything just sort of conflicts and they twist it they twist it to make it seem like so this person is gay because they didn't have enough physical attention from their mother whereas this person's gay because they had too much physical attention from their mother or however but they just they just twist it that little bit. Yeah. But it's this huge significance. And it affects people for years. Yeah. And years and years, like, potentially the rest of their life. The film and the book brought up a lot of my own internalised homophobia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had the same, obviously, we've had discussions before where we've discussed, like, your religion and different things, so I don't know if you're either, like, distanced from it or it brought up the same sort of thing for you but they were talking about all these is it scriptures oh yeah. is that the right word to use like passages yeah passages and they're they're discussing all these or reciting them all and then talking about them in a way that it's thrown about so often just in society as a whole non-religious or religious or whatever you are it's just sort of thrown about so I was sort of reminded of all the all these views that are on me literally because I'm gay. Yeah. And as I mentioned it also highlighted like the importance of friendship with Jane and Cameron and Adam. The whole friendship being this us against the world sort of feeling to it. Yeah. Is really real and raw and accurate in our portrayal of queer people being friends because it kind of is you against the world in that sense. Obviously they've Mm -hmm. been through a more traumatic experience than say I have because I've not been through conversion therapy but so many people have or they've done wilderness therapy or whatever therapy's been thrown at them to help cure them or however you want to put it. But the us Mm -hmm. against the world feeling and that we have this it's not even sometimes it's not even a secret but we have this like bond in a way of no other because a lot of the world is against us i think they did a really good job yeah. portraying that and getting that across yeah and it's a bond that you can't have with your straight counterpart or your parents who are straight yeah because they just wouldn't understand yeah and i've had people say to me oh heterophobic or straightphobic things like that because I've said I struggle to bond with a lot of straight people because we have quite different experiences and views of the world and yeah I don't mean it in like oh my god I hate straight, straight people like the, the worst people in the in the world it's more like it doesn't have the same significance no and it's hard to get that across because a lot of straight people say 
oh well your sexuality is no one else's business like it's just sexuality come on like mm-hmm. it's 2021 20, sort of thing yeah and i get that i can get that from their point of view like they don't see it as a big deal yeah but when you've lived it and a lot of the time made it up made all these scenarios up in your head and and just spent a long time just left yourself in this inner turmoil it's so difficult to try and express how that truly feels to people who haven't experienced it and mm-hmm. I don't know I think people get the wrong end of the stick when we say that we can't fully relate to straight people or yeah you know we struggle to make friends with straight people because it's just it's just different and it shouldn't be but there's a divide yeah because of how you know you're viewed yeah. You know that you're viewed differently and you're not viewed differently by everybody but you don't know who you're not viewed that way by until you get to know them. So it does have this extra barrier to overcome or this coming out to do or... Yeah, like no matter how accepting someone is, it's not about them. It's not It's not to do with, oh, they, can, they should be more accepting. Like, no, it's more to do with how society views you as a community and as a your sexuality as a person and that, like, reflects on you. What star rating would you give the film? So I can't really think of anything to fault it, but I don't want to give it a 10 because there's always room for improvement. (laughs) So, yeah, I'd say a 9. I wish the film was... Hmm. I don't really know what to say. I I can't really... (laughs) I really enjoyed the film, basically. I really liked the film. From my point of view... I wish that they'd incorporated more the backstory to Cameron in the film, but I understand why they didn't. The film versus the book, you're about 200-odd pages in. Half the book is backstory Mm -hmm. before you get to God's promise. So it is missing that half of it. But if you've read the book, you've got the backstory, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. But I read the book after I watched the film. Yeah, I think I got up to like page hundred and fifty or something in the yeah in the book. It is it is quite slow. Yeah, the book. I would give it seven out of ten. A seven. Yeah. Ooh, go on, go because on. Because why? It right. It's really good. I enjoyed it, but personally, the seriousness of it, in comparison to say, Butter I'm a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. It's just not a film that I would go to to relax or to just enjoy because it had this serious undertone to it. Hmm. And I don't know if that's, as I was saying earlier, because it brought up a lot of my own emotions and my own feelings. But I wouldn't watch it just to enjoy a film because I don't think it sits there. Like, it's not one it's one to watch and to analyze and think about it's not like a to pass the time sort of film you know i think i'm the opposite of you in that sense (laughs) because i'm perhaps too in touch with my emotions (laughs) and too in touch with my feelings like i like you'd prefer to watch but i'm a cheerleader to relax Mm mm-hmm I'll put on something like Disobedience or or The Miseducation of Karen Post to relax, like... Yeah. 
I think both of us are at different ends of the spectrum because whereas I have too much to feel and too much to say and just I'll just come out with it all at once and just be like oh here you go well don't get me wrong I love when books or films bring out the bring out emotions but it's not it's this isn't the sort of film that I would go back and I would watch and I would thoroughly enjoy like it's a good film and I do enjoy it but it's not one that I would be like everybody come and watch this film with me let's have a good day you know what I mean yeah I get what you mean because when I went to see it I went to see it in an independent cinema in town and Mm -hmm. when it ended so I sat with my friend Hannah and I think my friend Georgia can't really recall but when it ended I didn't realise that was the end and I think me and Hannah especially we were, we were just sat there in a bit of a depression like <laughs> just like oh okay it, it gave us a lot to reflect on yeah it's really thought provoking and reflective and I think it's hard to bounce back from say if you were you know just having a fun night out or yeah. you know not wanting to end up having a deep conversation at 4am in the morning yeah <laughs> Like, it's a gorgeous film, I love it, but mm, it's not It's not an entertainment film for me. Yeah, I think I personally go for more thought-provoking things that I can relate to rather than the comedy factor, whereas I don't know whether your go-to is comedy or something you can, like, chill to. I don't know. I kind of like dramas and, like, love stories and comedies. Yeah. So, like, when But I'm a Cheerleader has this love story at the end, um, but it's comedic throughout. My favourite film of all time is Drop Dead Fred, so it has, like, this sort of love story fantasy-type element to it. Not you being a romantic, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. No, right? It's so bad. But, like, I don't watch, like, chick flicks or that. They really annoy me. So I don't really know what my... I think I just see a movie and if I like it, then I keep watching it. Mm-hmm. I just... Yeah. I don't really know what my type of movie is. I love how we, we went from the miseducation <laughs> of Cameron Post to Wizard of Oz. That's uh, interesting. So, Becca. Yeah. Do ladies do that? Yeah, I think... Yeah, ladies do that because whether it's by... I think a lot of the time it's by force. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is due to religious reasoning. Yeah. Or conservative parents who don't want their kids to bring shame upon the family or, you know, things like that. Yeah. I think that is the amazing thing about it. It is realistic. It is... Yeah raw and um, as we're saying thought provoking and yeah it's just really good also there was such a stark difference between the trio of friends like Cameron Jane and Adam and everyone else who went there they just looked terrified and really did believe in everything they were being told and brainwashed into whereas them three from the very beginning like they were just like not putting up with this bullshit like the bond of rebellion yeah they did their own thing on the quiet though like it wasn't really come on let's get everyone else here let's start a protest or anything like that yeah it was like we're one in the same like we'll have each other's back yeah they just i really liked how they went like undetected whereas in 
you know, but I'm a cheerleader, for example. It was more like, okay, let's all go to this secret club and, and you know, be rebellious. Yeah. Undercover. I mean, I know they did go to, like, a secret thing to smoke weed and stuff, but... But even the... They go to... They go to that Christian concert, rock concert. Yeah. And then before they run away from God's promise in the film, they're just sat eating breakfast and they talk to Rick and they have a whole mm-hmm. conversation about where they're going and what they're doing. And I think I just really like the chill energy that they gave off. <laughs> like, yeah. it wasn't anger or... They knew what they were doing. They were... Yeah. They were strategic in their plan and they knew what they wanted. Yeah. So that's everything for this week's episode. Join us next time where we're going to be discussing the film The Half Fit, directed by Alice Wu. Be sure to follow us on Twitter or Instagram at DLDT Podcast for all our updates. We are much more active on Twitter than we are on Instagram, but we are trying to up that a wee bit. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next time, where we will continuously question, do ladies do that? Oh, she's a fucking dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cry. (laughs) It's okay, you've got a dog, I've got a... Lawnmower. (laughs) 